I'm Courtney Markley, and this is The Heart of Money. What do we do when God is calling us outside our comfort zone and into a new phase of life? We'll explore this and more in today's episode. I'm Courtney Markley. I'm a financial coach, and I'm on a mission to change the way we talk about money. I'm here with Regina today. Regina, you're an empty nester. You have been in your industry 25 plus years, and just in the last few months, you've sold your condo, moved into an apartment, and you've paid off a lot of debt. And now you're at a place where you're wondering what's next. Yes. Can you speak into that for us today? Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, I sold the condo, paid off debt, moved into an apartment. I uh, have a little bit of money left over to reinvest somehow. I'm wondering what's next on many levels. I mean, obviously, my living situation I know is going to change. This is only temporary. I mm-hmm. don't know if I'm going to stay in this area. I don't know if I'm going to move to a surrounding area. I don't know if I'm going to move out of state, which I would absolutely love to do. Given all those variables, I wonder what's going to be next with my job. Will I stay in my job? Will I find another job? Yeah, there's there's just a lot of what ifs going on right now with Mm me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And with, with the topic of what's next, the what ifs, is it, is it solely about where you live and what you do for work or are there other things that you're wondering too? Those are the main things, but there, you know, there are always other variables that could play into decisions. I have two grown children. They are approaching their thirties and both of them live out of state right now. If one of them were to move someplace and settle, I would consider moving near to them. If one of them were to move back here, I would consider staying here. I'm also single. So on a personal level, if I were to meet somebody, um, which I'm actively looking, where would he want to settle? Would he be willing to move out of state? What are his circumstances? I mean, all of those things have to be taken into consideration. I just don't feel Mm -hmm. like it's just all about me. So yeah, if I've... Mm -hmm. I feel like there's kind of a blank slate in front of me that I'm waiting to have things fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I want to point something out to you real quick, Regina. What I'm hearing you say is you're waiting for other people to make a move before you make a decision. I am. And it's, it's interesting to have you throw that back at me because I've also had thoughts myself about, well, why am I waiting for these other people to make these decisions before I make one. And I guess it's easier for me to work off of other people's decisions than it is to make one myself. It's kind of scary when you make one yourself. And then I just wonder if I make my own decision, will anybody follow me? You've you've really opened Mm -hmm. up a whole can of worms right now (laughs) with that one question. Because these are things I've been thinking about within myself. Beautiful. Let's dive in. Is it okay if we go a little bit deeper here? Sure. Because you just said something very profound. You said, if I make my move first, will anyone follow me? Yeah. I mean, and that this has been a this has been something I've been pondering over for a while now. And it's kind of a scary thing because I almost feel like if I look back, I'm the follower when it comes to making these life decisions. Usually, um, I'm not usually the one leading. And uh I guess that's what I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's dive deeper. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tell me, when you look back over your life, you said you've always been the, the follower. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So as far as you know, where you lived, the type of places you've purchased, it's always been off of someone else's direction. Well, I can't say every single thing because uh, the places that I've lived ever since my last divorce, 
I have made those decisions. Well, sort of. I have chosen to stay local because either my kids were mm-hmm. local. There's another variable in my life. I have a, a special needs sister and I'm her guardian. And if I move out of state, mm-hmm. I can't be her guardian anymore. And that's something mm-hmm. else I've kind of wrestled with is how comfortable do I feel allowing someone else to have that control, giving, letting someone else be her guardian and me just being somebody that they come to for uh, guidance and advice on how to take care of her. So I I guess that's kind of a big thing that would hold me back too. But all these other decisions that I've made, yeah, they've been based on where somebody else is that I care about, being near somebody that I care about. Or, um, well, when I was married, I just kind of went with whatever my husband wanted. I'm I'm a very easy person and I'm very adaptable Mm -hmm. to just about anything. So I guess I just am the one to kind of be the flexible one and let somebody else make that choice. And then I just go along and and adjust my thinking and and how I feel about it to whatever decision that's been made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think maybe deep down, maybe why I do that is because I don't want conflict because I grew up with conflict. You and I have had had conversations about my childhood and, and my home situation. And I, I'm wondering if a lot of this is just stemmed from not wanting to cause conflict and just going along with it yes. just to keep things peaceful yeah. and easy with, without issues. Yeah. Do you mind sharing for those who are listening in, like you said, you and I have been coaching together for a while, so I know a bit about your past history. Those listening in, uh, can you share a little bit more? Um, give us an overview of what your childhood looked like in terms of conflict at the home. Sure. My parents fought all the time. That's I don't remember a time in my childhood when my parents did not fight. Actually, even as an adult, when they were divorced and living on separate ends of the country, they were still fighting. My dad was very, very easygoing man. I, I tend to take a lot more, more after him than I do my mom. At least I hope so. Um, my mom, she, of course, growing up, I did not know this. Um, but as an adult, it was shared with me and I can see all of it very clearly. She has a very dif- difficult personality and has a lot of emotional and, and psychological issues. I was told that she is um, narcissistic, which I can clearly see now, now that I understand what that is. Borderline personality disorder and, oh, what's the other one? Manic depressive. I feel like there's mm. another one. Those are big ones. Um, so she's got all yeah. that going on and I believe she's had it her entire life. Looking back, I can see that behaviors as I was growing up as a child. So there was always conflict between my parents. And usually it stemmed from something my mom was doing. And it always seemed like she created conflict out of things that didn't even need to have a conflict. Hmm. But they were always fighting. And um, I hated weekends because I hated Sundays because they always fought on Sundays. That was the one day of the week that everybody was home. Sometimes Hmm. during the week in the middle of the night, I would wake up to hearing them yelling in the middle of the night. So yeah, it was not a peaceful home by any means. Yeah, not fun. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Do any emotions come up for you as you're you're going back and talking about childhood? Yes and no. I think a lot of it, I have, I don't know, my heritage is German, so I, I can be very stoic sometimes. But uh, I, I think because it is what it is, and I have been through some therapy uh, dealing with my relationship with my mother. And just because of my age and, you know, I've, I've moved past a lot of it. So I can feel emotion inside sometimes when I think about it. But I me, mean, like right now, see, you're making me go there. <laughs> it can 
Go there. It's, Don't hold yourself back. It can be. It's disappointing because I know friends who had wonderful childhoods and who had, you know, they weren't perfect. Sure, their parents had conflict, but I feel like I didn't, I didn't experience that because of how my parents were and because of how my mom was. It's a part of life that I missed out on. Mm. So yeah, I guess when we dig this deep, it does hurt a little bit. And I've spent years, I guess, stifling it. I mean, what are you going to do? I can't mm-hmm. change it. It's, a, it's important to come here because, no, we can't change our past, right? But we can control in a sense of how it shows up in our present. Yes. Right? Because whether we realize it or not, we carry a lot with us from childhood. Whether you had a sure great childhood do. or not so great childhood, right? We carry yeah. a lot of that with us. So tell me, when you're a kid and you're waking up in the middle of the night or it's Sunday and mom and dad are fighting, what do you do? How do you protect yourself in that situation? In the middle of the night, there's not a whole lot that I can do. I just have to lay there and listen to it. My bedroom was in the basement. We had a a split level and uh, the kitchen was the kitchen and dining room were right above my bedroom. And that's usually where they would fight was in the kitchen. And uh, I don't know if they just thought we couldn't hear them. I don't know what they were thinking, but they were pretty loud. So, you know, in those situations, I would just lay in my bed and I all I could do was listen to it until they were done. And then I would go back to sleep. On Sundays, I can remember a lot of the time I would, if it was nice out, I would go outside. We lived, we lived on a pretty big piece of property and my grandparents' house was right behind us up on a hill. And my grandfather had passed away when I was, I don't know, like in first grade maybe. But his wife, who was a step-grandma, but she was the only grandma I ever knew, she still lived there. So there would be times when I would go up to her house and just we we had a there was like an open door policy. I would just walk in. I didn't even have to knock. Aww. We'd just walk in and say hi grandma. And uh, I can remember telling her that mom and dad were fighting again. And I would just stay there until they were, you know, for, I mean, I could, I would stay there for hours and then hope that they were done by the time I went back to my house. But yeah, grandma was wonderful. She'd make me fried chicken and she'd ask, I'd say, I'm hungry. And she'd say, what do you want? And I'd say fried chicken and she'd make her fried chicken and we'd sit and watch TV. And she was just wonderful. I love that you had that safe place to go to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really special. And I love the open door policy. Yes. There's something about yes. that visual of just being. It was just like the home you know, away that from home, the second open. home. Yeah. Yep. Just yeah. walk in. Her door was always unlocked. We just walked in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would your demeanor change when you walked into grandma's house? There's a peace and a calmness in her house. Mm-hmm. And she, between my two grandmas, she was my favorite. She was always so loving and just she was such a sweet lady. And she was my uh, grandpa's second wife, his first wife, my dad's mom had passed away from diabetes when my dad, I think was, I think he was still a teenager. He was pretty young. Maybe Mm -hmm. he was in middle school. I'm not sure. But Grandma Nellie, we called her Grandma Nellie. She never had any of her own kids. So we were the only, we, she didn't have her own kids. She obviously then didn't have grandchildren of her own. So when they got married, um, she was just adopted into the family and she just treated us like we were her own grandkids. She was wonderful to us. And even all my cousins, we all just rave about how wonderful Grandma Nellie was. It's really sweet. What do you remember? What sticks out the, the top carrot? characteristics to describe Grandma Nellie, what would you say? Oh, gosh, that's a really good question. Because when I think of her, I don't necessarily think of words to describe her. I just think of feelings that I have about her. She was very loving. She was caring, accommodating. 
She let us spend the night. When my brother was born, I think because she never had any of her own kids, she was extremely close to him. He was always, she knew him from birth. So like, she knows she didn't know me from birth, but she knew him from birth. And I think he may have been the only grandchild that she knew from birth. So he was always at her house. She was always babysitting him. There'd be times like little, little, his name was Eric, little Eric, when uh, even like as a toddler, if we're like all looking around for him, nobody can find Eric. Eric was always at Grandma Nellie's. He, you know, ran up the hill and went to Grandma Nellie's house. So we could always, where's Eric? We'll call Grandma Nellie, see if he's up there. Or like we could stand at our back door and see her kitchen window from our back door. So we, at night, if, if we could see her kitchen light was on, we would go to the back door and flip the porch light on and off. And she could see that Aww. from her kitchen. So she'd come to the window and wave to us. So like if uh, if Eric was up there, she might bring him to the window and put him up in the window so we could see that Eric was the <laughs> Grandma Nellie's. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. That's yeah. really sweet. It sounds like she was a really bright spot and perhaps a really yes. tough childhood. Mm-hmm. Yes, she very mm-hmm. much was. She probably more than she knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet lady. Tell me. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you had her. That's a big blessing. It's a big blessing. Tell me, let's say as as you got older, Grandma Nellie moved away. Would you go visit her? Well, as I got older, she got sick and I I know she had cancer. At the time I didn't know what she had. When she lived at the home, when she still lived in the house, she got sick. And mm. that was back before I think we knew a whole lot about certain cancers. And mm. I don't I don't know what kind she had. But I know it had to do with abdominal somehow. Mm. And so then eventually she ended up having to go into a nursing home. And looking back now, I mean, at the time, I didn't really understand anything that was going on with her. I just knew that she was sick. But looking back now, I think the cancer that started in one area must have just moved throughout her body because she got to the point where she just laid in a bed. And she was kind of unresponsive. Mm. So yes, Mm. when that happened, technically she moved away. I did go visit her and I would go at least once a week and just sit by her side. So she taught you some really great gifts. And one of the things that I'm hearing as you're describing her is that it, it wasn't necessarily a matter of where she lived, right? It was a matter of when you walked in you were instantly welcomed and you were instantly loved. And it was a place where you could just, you know, drop your emotional baggage, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yep. We started out by saying, well, I'm, I'm worried that if I take the initiative, maybe I move out of state, people won't follow me. But let's bring it back to Grandma Nellie. Would you have followed that woman anywhere? Yeah, I would have made sure that I made time to go see her. And, and actually, that's exactly what mm-hmm. I did when she was in the nursing home, because that was not a place I wanted to go. I didn't like mm-hmm. anything about it. It was very uncomfortable. But because I loved her mm-hmm. so much, I felt it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Move past my comfort yeah. zone and go see her and sit with her, even if mm-hmm. it was sitting, saying nothing for an hour, just be there. You followed her. Not because of where she lived, right? You already said that that the place that she ended up, the nursing home, it wasn't a comfortable place. Yeah. It wasn't a place that you were excited to go. Yeah. But it was a place where she needed to be, so you met her there. Right. And I want you to have that same perspective of the people who love you, regardless of whether they're excited. I don't know where you want to move. You know, Florida, Tennessee, wherever it might be. Yeah. Maybe they're not excited to go there. (laughs) 
And that's okay. Yeah. But they'll meet you where you need to be. You're, you're probably very right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another Another thing I want to point out, from your childhood, you learned from a really early, early age, self-preservation. Yeah, To be over-accommodating. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that you weren't a very vocal kid. When I was vocal, I got in trouble. <laughs> there it is. All right. So you learned yeah. from an early age, if I open my mouth, I get in trouble. Yeah. True. Yeah. If I voice my opinion, if I voice yeah. my needs, I get in trouble. Yeah. That's so true. Mm-hmm. And so... This piece, you know, we talked earlier, you can't change the past. You can't control the past, but you can control how the past changes you, okay? Because whether you're cognizant of it or not, you're carrying that with you, right? Somewhere deep inside, you're saying, if I make the initiative, if I take the move, if I voice my needs, I'm going to get in trouble. Something bad's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) This might be the um, the most beneficial therapy session I've ever had. (laughs) Who would have known? (laughs) Because in all the therapy I've ever gone through, we've never talked about this kind of stuff. And I think you are spot Mm -hmm. on, Courtney. Mm -hmm. I think it's just God showing up in our conversation. You're you're probably right about that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So tell me, let's put aside... You know, I'm closing my eyes because I, I want to have a, a, a blank slate. So close your eyes for me, Regina. Let's just have a blank slate. Okay. Putting aside all the fears or insecurities or doubts that say, I'm not good enough. If I make a decision, no one's going to follow me. Putting aside all the things in the past that said, if I voice my opinion, I get hurt. I get in trouble. We put all of that aside. And we think about what's next for you. What do you want? Hmm, What do I want? I want to move out of Ohio. Where do you want to go? You know, I'd love to go to Tennessee. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'll visit you in Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I love the Carolinas. Mm -hmm. There's, I guess, maybe just that whole area of the country is just probably my favorite Mm -hmm. places to visit. Mm -hmm. What happens to your spirit when you're wearing Tennessee or you're in the Carolinas? What changes? There's just a peacefulness there. It's There's so much beauty in, in the landscaping and so much nature in the areas that I've been in. And it's just so pretty. It's really hot in the summertime. I don't like that part, but my hair does. <laughs> um, whenever I've gone down there, it's 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 been for pleasure. It's, it's a new area to explore. Mostly, it's just so pretty. Mm-hmm. So many trees and hills and, and the mountains. It's just so pretty. Mm-hmm. Ohio is not pretty. It's flat yeah, and boring. It's okay. <laughs> and it's crappy in the winter. <laughs> and that's not because it's crappy because it snows. It's crappy because it's gray and depressing. Yeah. And again, I want to I want to draw the lines here and make sure you're recognizing the connections. One of the first things you said when I asked, you know, what do you do when it's Sunday and mom and dad are fighting? You say, go outside. Go outside. Yeah, I can remember. We lived. There were lots of hills where where our house was, and I can remember running over the hill on the other side of this really huge bush. And we had a little dog, a little poodle dog. Her name was Jolie, and we just let her outside and let her run free. And so quite often she would meet me there. So I'd sit behind this tree, this bush with my little dog and hug her and cry. And I, I did that a lot. I miss that dog, stupid little dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want 
What did you want if we go back? What did you want at that moment in time? I wanted my parents to stop fighting. I wanted peace in my house. At the time, I wouldn't have been able to communicate that, but I think that's what I wanted. Just to Mm -hmm. be able to enjoy a Sunday afternoon at home without conflict. Mm -hmm. So we just drew this connection between, you know, the childhood of you going outside. That's kind of your safe space, right? And I... I imagine I'm not taking too big of a leap when I say when you're outside, you feel the most authentic and you feel that you feel genuine because you can let your guard down a little bit. I feel Is that peace. fair to say? Yeah. You feel at peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not surprising to me at all that you say, well, I want to move, you know, to Tennessee or Carolina or somewhere warm where I can just be, where I can just be outside. Yeah. Okay. So what do you want to... What do you want to do? How do you want to spend your time? Let's say you're you're making the move, right? And we don't have mm-hmm. to name it at this moment, but let's say you move south. How do you want to spend your time? Gosh, I don't know. Exploring. I love going to new areas and exploring, seeing what's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Shop, going to different shops and trying new restaurants, mm-hmm. meeting people, meeting new people, finding a new church. Mm-hmm. Church is big down I there. <laughs> It is. Mm-hmm. I love meeting new people, hearing people's stories. I love hearing other people's stories. Love it. Mm. To me, what you're describing is that fresh chapter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New beginnings. I feel like my life has been a series yeah. of new beginnings, and um, mm-hmm. and I love I I love new beginnings, starting over. I've I've come to really enjoy starting over every time. I'm not afraid to start over. I think a lot of people are, but I'm not. Bring it on. <laughs> Let's do mm-hmm. it again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's speak to let's speak to the people real quick who might say, like, oh, yikes, this girl's crazy. <laughs> like I'm I'm terrified of starting over. <laughs> Tell me, what's the value that you get each time you start something new? Oh gosh. This is not th- something I've thought about. Just the chance to do something again. You know, I feel like I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Of course, as I'm you can always say that hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So starting over is just another chance to try to get it right again, just to try to keep doing better, taking what I've been through and the lessons that I've learned and try to make the next start over better. I'm also the sort of person that I love to change my furniture. I, I love to move my furniture around. So I love change. And yeah. I know, isn't that crazy? I can't move my furniture around in this silly apartment. It's too small and it's driving me crazy. (laughs) I love to to redo something so that it looks new, so that I can have a fresh experience with it, I guess. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure that has something to do with the fact that I, I love change and I love new beginnings every time. I don't, they don't scare me. It makes me sad to think about leaving something behind that I love. Like, you know, if I were to move away, there are certain people that I wish that I could take with me and, and I hope that we can stay in contact and but I there are certain things that I would miss, but I don't think that I would miss it enough to make me stay in one place. Mm-hmm. Sure. So tell me, you came pretty quickly with the answers of I want to move south and I want a new start, right? And uh, what I was hearing you say mm-hmm. too is I want a new community, right? So mm-hmm. came up with that really pretty quickly, which tells me that it's been on your heart for a while. So What's stopping you? Yeah, there's something stopping you. What is it? Uh, My sister. The thought of what would I do for an income? 
for my, my next job, that's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. You know, what we're familiar with is comfort, comforting. I mean, I'm, I'm very familiar with what I have mm-hmm. here. And it's, it's, yes, I like new beginnings. And yes, I embrace change. But it's also a little scary to initiate that change when you don't know what you're stepping into, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. It's really easy for me to adapt to something if I'm forced to. Mm. But it's yeah. it's a little more, I'm a little more hesitant when I kind of have it made, but I want to rock that boat and change it. It's, it's not as easy mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so many people struggle with this. Because like you said, it's a lot easier to swallow when it's something that we're kind of being pushed into, right? Whether that's a sudden job loss or, you know, you know, whatever it might be. Yes. In that moment you say, oh yeah, I'm adaptable. I can do this. Mm -hmm. But when things are comfortable, it's a lot harder to initiate. Yes. Yes. Right. This makes me think about a a book that I read once um, in a, in one of my small groups from church years ago by uh, John Ortberg. It's called, if you want to, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Hmm. It's not always easy to get out of the boat unless you're pushed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going along right now. Like you said, you've been in your industry 25 plus years. That tells me that you're good at what you do. You like it. You know, things are comfortable and you're familiar with, your, you know, your home, your setting, but there's still something inside of you saying, I want something else. Yes. Right. Otherwise, we want to be having this conversation. So what is it inside of you that's saying, I might have it made, quote unquote, but this isn't actually the life that I wanted? What's saying, what, what is inside of me that's saying that? You know, I, ha- I have to wonder if it's God, if it's God pushing me to think outside mm-hmm. of my comfort box, to mm-hmm. reach back in and try to find something more than what where I've settled. Um, mm. And I do believe that that I've gotten where I am now as a result of God moving me here. But I can't help but wonder, is he is, is he shaking up the inside of me to move me to something else? And how, I don't know, if, does he want me to initiate that? Or is he going to make something happen to make it would be easy for me if he had just made something happen? Instead of me making right. the choice myself to do it, I think right. that's where I'm stuck. Because right. I almost think he yeah. wants me to make that choice. He wants me to be the one to get yeah. out of the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you're you're at this point in your walk with Christ where he's saying, all right, I've led you to this point. Now I want you to take a step of faith. Right. And trust that. And I, I did take that somewhere. step of faith by selling my condo. Right. And that was just the first step. But now I need to take another step. step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a quote that I love, and I'm going to paraphrase from Bob Goff, where he says, while we're waiting for God to open the door, he might be on the other side waiting for us to kick it down. Oh, goodness. (laughs) And that's where the tension comes in. Sure. That's where we need to start leaning on him in prayer to say, Lord, is this the door that I'm supposed to kick down? Yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you have your answer. It does, doesn't it? I mean, it it, I it does. Hate that. <laughs> <laughs> be because it's going to force you. <laughs> well, this conversation can <laughs> can be the accountability piece. <laughs> yeah, it can, say, and it's recorded. <laughs> yeah, and it's recorded. <laughs> it is. There's no escaping it now, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
I think you have your answer. And so with the thing that's stopping you, everything that you listed, you know, especially your sister and your income, those are some really big pieces of the puzzle. They are. Right? And so I I don't have the right answers for you, but it sounds like you're spending time with the Lord and He's leading you a certain way. And if that's the case, then He's also saying, trust me with this. Oh, gosh. You're right. And when, when I hear you say that, I my first thought is my sister, because I just think I'm the only family she has. And mm-hmm. I mean, we have other family, but I'm the only active family she has. And I feel like she's my main ministry in my life right now. And I just, I've questioned, God, do you want me to leave her? Because I would be leaving her, but not that I can't come back and see her or bring her to where I'm at for a visit. I can't move her. I'm going to leave her where she's at because she's in a very good program that she's very familiar with. But I mean, mm-hmm. she is probably the biggest mountain that I would have to figure out because mm-hmm. I can get another job, even though that's kind of scary thinking. But I mean, yeah. that's my sister. Yeah, that's a really hard piece. How often do you see her? About once a month. Um, I try to once, once a, month. a month. I actually yeah. saw her the day after Thanksgiving. And I probably, well, mm-hmm. I'll see her one more time before Christmas because mm-hmm. I want to take her Christmas shopping. So in December, mm-hmm. I'll probably see her twice. Yeah. And then as far as you're her main like caregiver, right? So if they have questions about her needs or care, they, they call on you, right? They call me. I'm her guardian. Yeah. Yeah. And am I thinking correctly that you have to be nearby in order to be designated as her guardian? I have to live in the state. I have to live in Ohio. I live in the state. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have someone that you trust? If this is truly the direction that the Lord is leading you, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel like I'm pushing you to leave your sister by any means. But if you feel no, like this I want is you to the ask direction these questions. Lord, okay. I've never had this conversation with anybody. This is the first time. It's only ever been thoughts that I've had. Hmm. Okay, let's get And you're it a good out. objective person to have this conversation with. Good, good. Okay, so let's say you move south, right? So you're out of the state of Ohio and... You need to appoint someone else as her guardian. Do you have a few people in mind who you trust, who that person could be? Well, I do have people that I would think, oh, I'd love it if they would be her guardian, but I don't think that they would. Some of them are like people who are staff people who are already working with her, people that I really trust, Mm. but they're staff people. sure. So they've already got that job. Mm. So I, in my limited thinking, I would imagine the court would assign a guardian to her. And there are people who actually who do this. This is what they do. So there's a good chance it would be somebody that I don't know. Hmm. So it's that's kind of scary because I'm hmm. kind of particular about yeah. how her money is spent and and her health care yeah. and, and 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 all that kind of stuff and the d- decisions that are made for her. So you know, if I wish that I could pick who could be her guardian. That would be great because I I yeah. have a few people yeah. in mind that I know that I would I would approach them, but I don't. I don't think that they could do it because of their position already in her care. Hmm. And I guess, and I've had this thought too, is that, you know what, if if a stranger is going to be assigned to her, then I just, I I have to trust God that he's going to move the right person into that position. Right, right. So I think this is a good opportunity for you to to spend some time in prayer with him. Yeah. You know, and ask him to show up and show off a little bit and say, listen. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's the one in control. Right? That's right. Yep. And however much you love your sister, he loves her way more. That's, you know what? That's so true. 
That's so true. Yeah. I have to remember yeah. that. He can yeah. take much better care of her than I can. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. You and I, like you said, we're limited in our thinking and our abilities. He's not. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, no, I'm not telling you to, you know, ditch your responsibilities. And, no, I don't you know, think that at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. to, you know, leave your sister in the dust. That's not what we're saying at all. But right. we're saying yeah. that perhaps this is an opportunity for her to maybe something really good can come from this for her too. Sure. Yeah, that's true. What that looks like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. But let's let's start asking God, you know, is there another way? Okay. Because I have to assume that if if he's leading you to go somewhere else, he's already got a plan for her. You are he's so like, right quit about worrying that. about it. You are so <laughs> he's like, right quit about worrying that. about it, Regina. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So spend time, like I said, ask him to show up and show off. Yeah. Okay. And do some amazing things for her. Yeah. The other piece here is you're you're currently seeing her once a month, which is great. I bet you, no matter where you lived, you could probably commit to still seeing her about once a month if you wanted to. That's kind of what I'm thinking too, depending on where I'm at, how far away I am. And and if I end up in Tennessee, that's not that far. No. Franklin's a six-hour drive with no traffic. It is. It's just a six-hour drive. (laughs) That's easy. That's easy. So we tend to see these things as obstacles or big roadblocks saying like, well, I'm always going to be in Ohio because my sister's here. But God might be saying, hey, I have something else totally different planned that could be way better for her even, right? Who knows this this new guardian could show up in just a really amazing way. That's, you, you are so right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think a lot of it is, yeah. So hold your sister with an open hand, okay? Uh Uh-huh. Because at the end of the day, her her trust and her well-being really doesn't fall on you. It should fall on God. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you're in a role like this, where you're responsible for somebody else's well-being, it's really really difficult to remember that that God is ultimately in charge of her well-being, not me. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, I really have to change my perspective on that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. something that, because I, I take it very seriously. And uh, yeah, it's something I have to really change my perspective on. Yeah, yeah. And still, you know, your role, whatever it is in life, is to show up and do your best according to His will. That's true, right? Yeah. So that's, yep. that's where you need to find some, some peace. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. You've, gave, you've given me some wonderful things to think about. Good. Well, before we wrap up, tell me what else is something that we haven't touched on yet? You know, is there anything, any questions mm. that were left unasked? Not that I can think of. My gosh, we went in places that I didn't expect us to. Yeah. Good. There've been some things that we've talked about that we've never talked about before. And there've been some things that I've not really talked about with anybody else. Places within myself Mm -hmm. that I've not really gone before. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. this was very unexpected. Good. Good. I'm so glad. And I, let me say again that I just really appreciate your openness and your vulnerability and letting other people hear a piece of your story and you're letting us all in to a piece of Regina. And it's a, it's a really vulnerable place to be. And I just really appreciate it because I'll say it again. There's so much we can learn from one another and there's going to be a lot of people listening who resonate and they're going to be really appreciative. so. So yeah, 
Absolutely. So tell me, again, we started this conversation by asking, what's next? So Uh tell us, Regina, what's next? A lot of prayer for some guidance. Mm -hmm. I think I need to, something I've been thinking about, but I think I need to act on it. I I think I need to start looking into what is involved in getting another guardian for my sister and maybe passing Mm -hmm. on that Mm -hmm. baton Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of start taking through prayer, figuring out what my next steps are as far as what do I need to do to move in the direction of following some of these desires that I've had, like moving, mm-hmm. dealing with my sister's situation, like and, and, and try not to allow whatever my kids are doing be a part of making that choice for myself because they don't know what they're doing. They know that where they're at is temporary. They're not going to stay there but they don't know where they're going. Right. So I just, I think I just need to pray about it and uh, kind of start asking more questions of other people to see, maybe start looking for another job. I don't know. Mm. But I think the first thing I need to do is try to figure out what to do with my sister. Yeah. Sounds like. Thank you. Sounds like you have a good plan. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm really excited for you. I think this, conversation seems to have spurred on the next new beginning. It seems to. I mean, at least it's it's giving me some encouragement to try to think outside of the box that I've been thinking in and uh, to try to move in, move in the direction of making next steps actually happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you commit that to us, Regina? Because I, I, <laughs> I want to gently push you. <laughs> You're going to be Not my accountability cliff, outside. partner on so many levels. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I, I want to really gently push you to commit to taking action, right? To leave the familiarity behind and to take the initiative, right? Where no, I no longer want you playing a passive role in your life. It has been very passive, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I didn't realize really until kind of recently. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to honor that again. We we need to honor the fact of where that came from. And it came from a little girl who learned how to protect herself. Yeah. Right. Um, now I'm getting teary. But the, the, <laughs> the, the good thing is that you're no longer in that space. You're in a safe space now, right? You no longer mm-hmm. have to take that passive role to protect yourself, but you can take a very proactive role and feel confident voicing your needs and say, this is where God's leading me, so this is where I'm going to go. And I'm going to trust that He's yeah. going to take care of the rest. Okay. Yep. How does that feel to kind of step into that place and own that? It feels good, but it's scary too. It's kind of mm-hmm. like something that hurts good. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> When you're going for ther- for physical good. therapy or for a massage and it hurts really bad, but you know it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And you know what this is, Regina? This is the opposite of complacency. Hmm. Complacency, we don't really feel anything, do we? That's we're true. Just kind of stuck yeah, in we just kind of go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Here yep. you're going to feel scared because you're doing something new. But let let that be the guide. When you start getting too comfortable, let that be the sounding alarm that's saying, oh, I'm, I'm falling back into routine. I'm falling back into my comfort zone. And I need to start living again, kind of on the edge of yikes. <laughs> yeah. Time to shake it up. <laughs> shake it up. Yeah. <laughs> How does that sound? It sounds exciting, actually. Mm-hmm. I should, you know, instead of waiting for somebody else to push me, I should just push myself. 
Yeah. Kick down the door. (laughs) I'm thrilled for you. I'm so thrilled for you. Yeah. Tell us as we wrap up for today, what's, what's the biggest insight that you had during our conversation? I know we touched on a lot. We did touch on a lot. Gosh, what's the biggest? Based on a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, I just need to shift my thinking and take a different perspective so that I can move forward in doing the things that I want to do. Because mm-hmm. I'm the only one holding me back, really. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much. There's so much goodness still waiting for you. I feel like I God's so kind of opening his hand and extending this gift. And he's saying, just, you know, kind of like a toddler when they're learning how to walk. He's like, come on, come on. Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's very much what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. So he's saying, just take a step out of faith and accept the gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much again for sharing your story with us. Sure. Thank you for listening. If today's conversation has blessed you, share our podcast with a friend. And if you have a money question, email me at Courtney at MarkleyCoachingGroup.com. I'm Courtney Markley, and this has been The Heart of Money.